I think it already been from Romans 6 verse 20 to 23. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The last time we were talking about uh, slaves of righteousness, and we said for you to be a slave of righteousness, you must recognize who you are under. Are you under law or under grace? Then if you are under grace and not under the law, then you cannot sin. Then we looked at know who you are a slave of. That you present yourself to choose who you want to obey, a slave for obedience, and you have sin as a master, and his wages is death, or you have obedience, which is another master, which is wages, his payment is righteousness. And I said, all of us should go and choose obedience as our master, who we want to obey, as slaves for obedience. And we looked at what kind of slave are you? Are you a slave of sin or a slave of righteousness? Who are you serving? Who are you in bondage to? Who are you yielding yourself to? You cannot be you cannot be in between. You must either choose one. And I said we should all go on yielding our members, just as you yielded your members to impurity in the past. Now you go on yielding your members to righteousness. And as you go on doing that, it will result in holiness and sanctification. That is how we grow in holiness by yielding ourselves to more and more righteousness, to practicing righteousness, to become totally holy. That we cannot even think of anything but righteousness to do. We cannot think of anything, even doing any impurity or any unrighteousness. Today, we are going to be looking at something different from our test. Now we we see want to see how does this connect the previous verses that we read the other time. Simply, verse nineteen of last time that we read was an appeal to us. Verse nineteen was saying, "I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to." impurity and to lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness so now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification so verse 20 to 23 is simply reinforcing is simply enforcing the appeal that i made in verse 19 and it's also a beautiful exposition of the end of verse 16 verse 16 if you read the end it says you are slaves of the one whom you obey either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. So verse 20 to 23 is a beautiful exposition of that statement that he made in verse 16. It seems like Paul just came, let's expand on that statement more again at this ending. Now, we start with the word for. For simply means that is uh, saying like the reason or because of what I've stated in verse 19 then this should happen so it says for when you were slaves of sin you were free in regards to righteousness when you were slaves of sin 
when you were in bondage to sin you were enslaved to it you you were serving sin as your master you were free i think you should be literally free from righteousness what does that mean it seems like our lord jesus christ said he said no one can be a slave to two masters either you devoted to one and despise the other so as a slave of sin you despise righteousness and was totally devoted to sin as your master that was your devotion and that's the lives of people who do not know christ they are basically in bondage to sin and not and despise righteousness though one or few times they do some righteous acts but that is not their nature it's just a bit of choice at the moment unlike us too we're in bondage to righteousness and once in a while we do sin but sin is not our nature the same way for the unbelievers righteousness is not their nature this being slave of sin does not mean that the right the unbelievers people who do not know christ people who are slaves of sin don't do righteous acts they do that but they can't do any righteous acts that will amount to any good end at all they can't we even see from acts 10 2 to 4 that unbelievers do do can do righteous acts it says a devout man and one who feared God with all his outward and gave many arms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. This is talking about Cornelius. And about the ninth hour of the day, clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, they said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and arms have ascended as a memorial before God. And we know Cornelius had not yet believed the gospel, he had not yet heard of Jesus Christ. But this guy was still doing some righteous deeds that God could recognize. But without believing the gospel, he had no good end. Where he was still heading to, was still dead. And that is why God in his mercy sent Peter to preach the gospel to him. That he himself may be saved. And I do know this, that God, people who are truly seeking God, that God actually reveals himself to them. He actually does so. There are so many people who are out there that just try not to. They just don't want to believe God is real at all. But if your heart is actually seeking after God. I've heard a lot of stories, a lot of Muslims, people from other religions who are just seeking to know the truth. Seeking to know the true God. And God actually revealed himself to them. In his, in his sovereign mercy, he did it to them. And one thing we must look at, even our lives, even our slaves of sin, when we're slaves of sin, God does put restraints in our lives that we may not fully explore our default depravity. There are so many restraints God has put in our life that we cannot fully, we don't fully become what we are actually heading to become more unlawlessness uh, more lawlessness more unrighteousness we had restraints when we were younger we had restraints from our parents our parents did discipline us when we go wrong when we do some unrighteous hearts our parents did discipline us and you notice a lot again 
when you're younger, there were differences between parents who disciplined their children and parents who didn't discipline their children. You saw the difference in their behaviors, the way they behaved that side. And most of the time, I've heard stories of a lot of uh, people. They say they thank their parents for actually disciplining them when they were young. Because who knows what they would have become. Because when they look at the lives of their friends, who their parents don't discipline, and they see this, ah, this waywardness, this sinfulness, they have to thank their parents for disciplining them. So parents are one of the restraints God has put in our life to hold back us from displaying our full nature. And us too, we still have schools too. We went to schools and explored a lot. The teachers too kept your depravity at a low. You couldn't explore to the deepest that you wanted to go to. There was still restraint from the school. You, knowledge was coming in, telling you about what's going on around you. The church was still another way of putting restraint upon people. When this church is preaching the truth, we as being light, exposing the darkness of the world, exposing the evils in the world. We are restraining evil as we are doing that. We are preserving our society as we are doing our work of being salt and light. So God is using the church as a means of restraining evil, restraining depravity in our world today. So if the church is doing their work, you see a lot of evil being restrained. The government too is another means of restraint. You remember in Romans 13, Paul says the government are ministers of God for our own good. If you do evil, you'll be punished. Those who do right are not afraid. So when the government makes laws, this acts as restraint to people. That they, there's no chaos in our society. That people, imagine if there were no laws against stealing, against robbery. Then... People can just display their depravity to the fullness. Imagine there was no law against murder. Someone could just get angry and just pick a gun and kill you there. But because of the government laws, the person will raise it. Well, if I do this now, I'm going to end up in jail or I will still go and die again myself. So why do this? So these are restraints God has put on depravity in our society today. And we are grateful to God for that. If you read Romans 1 verse 28 to 31, it says, And just as they did not see it fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to their depraved mind to those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness. So you see first, they gave up on God. And whenever people give up on God, God gives up on them. That is the first thing that happens. So when they become totally rebellious to God, God gives up on them. And you see what happens. When God allowed them to display their full dep- uh, depravity, say, give them over to their depraved mind. See what they were filled with. He said they were filled with all unrighteousness. That was all they were thinking about. That is everything that they, that they were filled with. Just like the way someone is full of the Holy Spirit, someone is full of righteousness, someone is full of wisdom. This boy full of unrighteousness, full of impurity, full of iniquity, full of wickedness. Like a man of wickedness, they were full of greed, looking for different ways to scam people, looking for different ways to eat people's money, looking for different ways to cheat people. 
them full of evil, whatever kind of evil you wanted, they can take off. They were full of envy. Envy, they, they were not contented with what they had. They were always covetous, full of murder, full of strife, full of deceit, deceitful. They were deceiving others and they were eaters of God. They were gossips. They were slanderers, slandering their brothers, speaking evil of them, accusing them of what they did not do. And they hate God so much. They became insolent, they are arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. What manner of evil they, they keep on inventing evil. People who are in bondage of sin to sin. They keep on inventing one evil to another. They are disobedient to their parents. They don't have understanding. They are untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. And, and that is where most of us were before we came to know Christ. We're just few to this extent like this. It's just that most of us, when we were a bit younger, we're just being religious. Just go to church, we say our prayers, and just try to be a little bit righteous. But we know deeply we're actually in bondage to sin. We couldn't help but sin. No matter how we try to overcome it, no matter how much Ten Commandments they preach to us when we're young, we still sin. But one thing we do, even after all, we still thank God that we are actually raised in Christian homes. We are actually raised, brought up in the faith. That's one thing we are always thanking God for. And another thing we need to know, it's not even about being raised in religious homes. There are people who were raised in religious homes who later rebelled against it. They rebelled against it later. We see this most of the time. Even in a, a lot of people, they rebel against it. Not everyone that was raised in a religious home that actually became, came to know the faith, came to know Christ later on. A lot of them became rebellious to the faith, even committed blasphemy against it. Some of them became atheists. But we don't know the difference between them and us. All we can just say is God. Who knows whether we would have become like them? We don't know. All we can just say is God that did it for us, that we are not like them. And another thing is that being a slave of sin is actually deceiving. It makes you think that you are actually in right with God when you are not. For example, many think they can make their own way to inherit eternal life. They can do good to inherit their own eternal life. That is how much bondage people are in the same. Deceive them on the way of getting to eternal life. Just like Romans 10, 3, it says, For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they do not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Many people just want to do good and say no. At the end of the day, they will just come to the uh, end and God will accept them into heaven because they did good. They just want to have pride in themselves. They want to boast for them, seek their own righteousness, establish their own righteousness, not God's righteousness. That's what bondage of sin does. 
when you're in bondage to sin, it deceives you. A lot of people are self-deceived. And they are going to be shocked on that last day. Even Psalm 81 verse 5 says, Those who wait the Lord would pretend obedience to Him and their time of punishment will be forever. There are many who wait the Lord. They are going to church every time, saying their prayers, but in their hearts they actually hate God. But they are pretending obedience to Him. Just like the Pharisees. They were formerly religiosity, but their hearts were far away from God. But they were trying to honor God with their, with their lips. Being hypocritical. This is the worst form of hypocritism. You actually eat God and you pretend to obey Him. What manner of hypocrisy is that? They will not be like that in the name of Jesus. A lot of depraved people hate God. They hate righteousness. They are never ashamed of what they are doing. And that is the thing, basically. They are never. They go on sinning. They are not ashamed of it. If you call them, that is why a lot of, most of the time, uh, you see all this, uh, we see in the Bible, these guys that were homosexuals, they were never ashamed of their sin. You just see all of them would just come together and go and want to knock on someone's door to pounce on the man. They are not ashamed of what they are doing. They could rape people and get away with it in just 19 to 21. And they are not ashamed of it. In broad daylight, they display their depravity. No, no remorse, no regret. No repentance. That's why they do what they do with so much pride. And all of us were like this too. We're like people without God. And when you are without God, you sin and you don't feel any conviction. You are not ashamed of it at all. You are so, you are so happy that you even did what you did. They want others to even be part of them. They are always bringing people to be to their clique of unrighteousness, always creating gangs to join their clique. And they know the funny thing is that they know what they are doing is worthy of death. They know in their heart. Romans 1:32 says, And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give earthly approval to those who practice them. They will tell you to ride on, ride on. This is this is the real life. Enjoy your life. You only live life once. Do what you are doing, man. There's no, there's nothing that is there again. What's there to live for? After all, all of us will die. All of us will die last, last. Why don't you enjoy your life as a day like this? That is the lifestyle. They know everything that they are doing is worthy of death. But they still give hearty approval. God has set eternity in their hearts. We all know that all, we are going to live after this world, that there's a world after this. God has put that in our hearts. Everyone knows it. And that's why they, hide, they try to hide the truth in their hearts in ungodliness. They know the reality. That's why you see a lot of people creating a lot of jokes about hellfire. So then we will say, 
Last last the hell will even day more interesting than ever though. They want they want to go to hell. They make a lot of jokes like I said hell is not actually real. They even use it as a slang, as a fun word these days. Just to try to hide this truth, to run away from the truth of God's word, of the ordinance of God. They never want to confront the question of death. They are so afraid of death. So scared. You can't you can't meet someone who is living in sin or who is an unbeliever and talk to the person about death. They are so scared. Can't confront them with the question of death. There's only a believer that can actually face death. An unbeliever cannot. They don't have the mind to, they are scared of it. They know what they are doing is not good at all. Nobody needs to tell them. They know. And the thing is that they create a lot of idols from money, sex, and power just to fill that void in their hearts. They try to as much as possible to make as much money as possible so that they will fill this void, that this emptiness within them. And they put their pride in their money. How much money do they have? That's where their words come from. Or you see guys trying to have sex, become humanizers, have sex with as much girls as possible, and have pride in it that I've slept with social and so girl, that I've slept with social and so number of girls, and make fun of it. Just trying to feed the void in their heart, or some are just going after power, authorities everywhere. They just want to be the boss in every place that they are, they are going. Trying to feed that emptiness in their heart. And Paul asks, what fruit is in these things? What fruit? Because he can't see any fruits in all these things that you are doing. What fruit are you producing? Is If not only lawlessness, if not only more righteousness, what fruit are you producing? Because Paul doesn't see anything meaningful in all these things that they are doing. But one thing Paul surely knows is that the end of all this is death. Nothing good comes out of this kind of life. This kind of life is marked by condemnation and death. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man and sin entered into the world, and death spread through, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sin. And if your sin nature is not transformed through coming to Christ, if you remain the same way you are, with that depraved nature, the end is death. Physical and spiritual death, eternal death forever. You remember in Genesis 2 16 to 17, the Lord uh, God Yahweh commanded man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. That is God's principle, He has always said. The day you eat from the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. So we are separated from God basically for our sins. Pied up to heaven. Even David in Psalm 37, he was seeing the wicked prospering. And you are seeing the righteous, they are not living good life, but you see a lot of wicked, you see a lot of unbelievers that are living the good life, enjoying this life, one are you. 
after already their own eyes, that's what they call enjoyment. You see them flexing, living big money, living flashy lifestyles, and prospering in everything they do. But David didn't notice something. He noticed their hand. And you see that in verse 1 to 2. He says, Do not fret because of evil doers. Do not be not envious toward wrongdoers. For they will quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. They will quickly wither quicker, quickly. Verse 8. It says, Seize from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. It says, If you go on sinning, it's going to lead to more evil doing. You are going to continue with wrath, continue in your anger. Then you, you are going to continue, lead to more evil doing. Since for evil doers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Verse 14 says, The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy, to slay those who are upright in conduct. And that is one thing we see. Unbelievers are always eating on the righteous people. Every time, every time, they are always condemning people who are righteous. That's why if you are doing, if you are, if you are, if you try to start, live a righteous life in this age, you, you are going to be persecuted. They are going to mock you. They are going to say a lot of evils about you. Even if they are trying to, in your business, trying to fraud the company, trying to steal the business, and you don't want to be part of it, they are going to condemn you. They are going to mock you. Anytime you don't want to be part of evil, they are going to mock you and make a scorn of you. It says the word. They slay those who are upright in conduct. And verse 38 it says, But transgressions will altogether be destroyed. The posterity of the wicked will be cut off. David too saw their destruction. He saw it clearly. And his, his hope was just built on the Lord that the righteous, even at the end, they do enjoy. Because he saw the end of the righteous and where they were heading to. Paul said, those who sow to the flesh only reap corruption. So if you go on living your life sowing to the flesh, you are going to reap corruption, nothing else. But now you watch in the verse, it says, but, but, but. I love that word, but, in verse 22. It means that that was true of your past, but that is not who you are now. God has done something. That no moral reformation can do. And you see a lot of people, they they try to preach moralism that people should try to stop sinning and just start doing good. Or all these humanism, say for the good of one another, we should just love one another. If you are stealing, don't steal anymore. And we try to preach moral reformation without the gospel. Try to call people to be givers, to be generous without the gospel. How is that possible? God must do something before people can be changed. Only God can do bring about that change that we all truly desire. Only God can actually make people good. Only God can actually make people righteous. Only God can make people live better than they wanted to live. There's nobody actually in this life that don't actually want to live better than they are living now. In terms of morality. A lot of people want truly regret their past. A lot of people truly wish that they had lived a very, very good and moral life. But it's only God that can do that. 
and Paul says some things have been transformed about you. First of all, we must notice that you are being ashamed of those things. So you see, you know, you see where it, uh, where repentance comes in. You are actually ashamed of those things that you have actually sinned against God. So you recognize yourself that those, your sins have been piled up to heaven. You come like the prodigal son and you actually see what I've been doing has truly been bad. You see the shame and you are ashamed of it. Just like when Adam and Eve came uh, after they've done what they did. They were ashamed. They went to hide away from God. And that is the map of people who are in Christ presently. You are being ashamed of your sins. Every time you sin, you are ashamed of it. If you sin now, you regret it. You are not happy with it. It doesn't give you pleasure with sinning. And you try to get her back again and continue your holiness. And I would say, don't get to a point where you are no longer ashamed of sin. Don't get to a point where you sin and you are not ashamed of it. And just take it carelessly. Because you need to be watchful. If you are getting to a point that you are no longer being ashamed of sin, then it seems you are getting to being in bondage to sin. It seems you have been enslaved to sin once again. The Holy Spirit must be bringing the conviction of sin to our heart and must be obey the convictions and repent and turn away from those sins to Christ. And Paul says, now you have been set free from sin. Totally. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. You are set free from bondage. Christ has paid for that. <laughs> that you should be set free. So don't stay in that sin anymore. Don't try to affirm your sin. Don't try to defend your sin. When you are caught in it. That is why most of the time as believers, we need to be asking ourselves, what has Jesus Christ saved you from? You look at yourself, look at your life as an unbeliever. Look at yourself now in the faith in Christ Jesus. Look at your life. What were the sins I used to do before? And now you see that, not that you even struggle with them, you no longer practice them at all. Then you notice that Christ has totally cleansed you from that, set you free from those sins. There are many people that before the faith they were actually pornographic addicts but when they came into christ christ had set them free from those sins some were gossips christ set them free from that some were slanderers christ set them free from that some were uh, badly tempered christ set them free from that Some, some were thieves. Christ set them free from that. Some were sheets. Christ set them free from that. And they no longer practice it anymore. So we must be asking ourselves. Are we being, have we been set free from sin? We look at our lives. Have we truly been set free from sin? Because Christ said it and it means it there. Who the Son sets free is free indeed.
You must know this as an experience in your life that you are actually free indeed from sin. That nobody needs to tell you that you are actually free. And now, it says again, you have become slaves to God. That is another thing it says again about our present. We have become slaves to God. God is our Lord and Master through Jesus Christ. Why he slaves? And use your freedom well. That's one thing Peter t- tells us. It says in verse 16, say, heart as free men. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bonded slaves of God. Use it as slaves of God. You have been freed from your sin. Don't use it as a covering for evil. That because Christ has set me free, then I can do whatever I like. I can live the way I want. No. Use that freedom as a slave of God. Don't go on being enslaved to sin again. Galatia 5 1 says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to a yoke of slavery. Don't go and be subject to any yoke of slavery anymore. Don't let sin enslave you. Don't let the law enslave you again. You need to avoid legalism and avoid license. Verse 13 and 34 it says, For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into opportunity for the flesh, but true love set, set, save one another. For the law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So don't use your freedom as an opportunity to give in to the desires of your flesh. No. Use that freedom to save one another in love. Paul goes on, he says, now you have the fruits that leads to sanctification. You know, you know, then he was asking, what fruits are in these things? What fruit did you have in these things? But here he does know that there is a fruit in these things. In being a slave to God, in being set free from sin, he knows that there is a fruit. And basically, we see fruit of righteousness. Ephesians 5 9 says, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You see, people, in everything that you are doing, you see goodness, you see righteousness, you see truth in all their labors, in all their motives, in all their intentions. You are seeing righteousness, you are seeing truth, you are seeing goodness all going together. You see, Christ likeness still uh, being produced in them. All through the fruit of the Spirit, they become more Christ-like. You see love in their lives. You see joy in their life. You see peace. You see patience. You see kindness. You see goodness. You see faithfulness. You see gentleness, self-control in their life. These are the fruits that they are bearing. Even when the Lord disciplines them, they produce the fruit of righteousness. As Hebrews 12 says, and these fruits that they are all producing leads to sanctification. As you grow in your fruit of righteousness, as you grow in the fruit of the Spirit, you are lead, increasing in holiness. It's increasing. It's leading to sanctification. So how do you pursue sanctification which they say is without which no man shall seek God? You grow 
in fruit. You grow in fruit of the spirit. You grow in fruit of righteousness. Even as the Lord prunes you, as the Lord disciplines you, it's so that you will bear more fruits to Him. So that you will grow in your holiness. And Paul says the end of this is eternal life. Then the end that you were headed to was death. But now the end of this lifestyle is eternal life. Let me take you to Ezekiel 18, 20-22. It says the person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity. No, will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity? The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. But if the wicked turns from all his sins which he has committed, and observes all my statutes and practices justice and righteousness, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions which he has committed will not be remembered against him. Because of his righteousness which he has practiced, he will live. So God is promising that if you turn away from your sins, if you repent from your sins, and put your faith in Jesus Christ, because putting your faith in Jesus Christ will also mean obedience and committing to Him. Say, if you do that, you will surely live. And as Paul says in First Second uh, Timothy one verse one promise of life in christ jesus there is a promise of life in christ jesus turn away from your sins today leave those sins behind be sorry enough to stop those sins renounce them totally and put your faith in the lord jesus christ i promise you you are going to surely live you are going to surely live you are going to have life because I believe God's word totally. It says, if it turns from all his sins which he has uh, committed and observes all my statutes and practices justice and righteousness, he shall surely live. If your life is marked by righteousness, you will surely live. If your life is leading to sanctification and holiness, you are going to have eternal life at the end. That is the end goal of your life. Death is the payment of the sinner for a sinner. Death is deserving for a sinner. That is what the sinner deserves. And God being just grants the sinner that. But eternal life is a gift of God. This is a gift. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. Is a gift of God. This is life in both quantity and quality. A quality life. This is truly living. If you want to live your best life, then be in Christ. Turn away from your sins. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and you will truly live. Truly have abundant life. To have fellowship with God and His Son forever is a gift. No one can deserve to be in fellowship with God, the Father and His Son. 
none of us deserve that because of our sins that have been piled up to heaven because of our rebellion against God we do not want him to rule us but God sees grants us this gift and he's only had this gift that you can have fellowship with him you can be made righteous you can be like him in righteousness it will give you his righteousness it will clothe you with his robe of righteousness it can make you holy Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 says for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God not as a result of works so that no one may boast so grace is a gift your salvation is a gift you can't boast about it that I saved myself God saved us it saved us. Salvation was a gift to us. And grace was a gift that God gave us. It was undeserved favor that we never deserved. Someone said grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And one thing we must know is that God does not justify you based on your works. At all. Can't get justified based on your works. Eternal life is totally a gift of God. We must get that again and again. You don't earn your salvation or you don't earn grace. You don't earn eternal life through repentance and faith at all. You only receive them through repentance and faith. It's just like I want I want to send um, a PDF to someone and I said no I'm not sending it through WhatsApp I want to send it through email so I want to, you to receive it through email not through WhatsApp so that is what God is saying it says I want to give you this gift but I will decide how you will receive it and God has decided that you will receive this gift through Repentance and faith. And you notice here at the, in that verse, Paul says that, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you are not in Christ Jesus, you can't have eternal life. John says this clearly. He says, God has given us this life, this eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has eternal life. You cannot be divorced. If you are not in union with Christ, you can't have eternal life. God doesn't just give you uh, eternal life as salvation. Then you can live how you want. Divorce yourself. You no longer be in union with Christ. And you say you have eternal life at, on your own. As I was saying on Twitter the other day, someone was saying that even if I stop believing in God, I will not lose my salvation. If you are not believing because your faith is way that you are being in union with Christ, that you, you are being uh, abiding in union with Christ. So if you are no longer in faith with Him, how can you now have eternal life on your own? 
How is that just possible? So we must take note of in Christ. There's no eternal life outside of Christ. No religion can give you eternal life. It must be in Christ for you to have eternal life. You must go on believing. That union must be there. Wherever that union is severed, wherever you are, whenever you are severed from Christ, then you no longer have eternal life. And you must take note again, four ends with what? Jesus our Lord. It's essential that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Because there was a time that people were teaching that Jesus Christ can be your Savior, then sometime later you rededicate your life and make him your Lord. If Jesus is not your Lord, then he can't be your Savior. You can't even be saved. If he's not Lord of all, he's not, he's not Lord at all. You must be totally submitted to him in everything. You submit yourself as a slave of Jesus Christ. You accept his Lordship over your life. Whatever he says you do. Because if it's not your Lord, then you cannot be under the reign of grace. You cannot be under the reign of righteousness. It's only when Christ is Lord, when Christ is enthroned as your Lord, that is when all this can be written within you. So I believe totally Lordship is salvation. That you can't divorce faith from obedience. You must live in a love, faith, obedient relationship with Christ. In salvation. That is totally essential. So Christ must be Lord. You must take note of that, what Paul says. And I hope a lot of people, Lord, will be hearing this. If you are not in Christ Jesus, there's no way you can have eternal life. I'm telling you, the end is death. And death is not good. Not only physical death, even the second death, which is the lake of fire. None is good. Because that is eternity. That is eternal. Eternal death. Death forever. And God is calling upon you today. Repent, turn away from your sins in thoughts, in words, and in your deeds. Prove your repentance by your deeds. And put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you receive forgiveness of sins. You receive God's grace. You receive salvation. And you see God working in your life. And you see that you begin to practice righteousness. You see that you live better than you were before. You see now that you can be holy as God is holy. The law cannot do that for you. What the law could not do, God did. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that has come with clarity, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will bring conviction to the heart of many, O oh Lord. That they will notice, O oh Lord, that the path that they are heading to, O oh Lord, is death. 
with the lifestyle that they are going on as slaves of sin. But we pray, O oh Lord, that we, O oh Lord, that have not become slaves of righteousness, O oh Lord, will be able to share this truth with others and bring them, O oh Lord, to the faith that, they may, that, that their hand will be transformed from death to life. And we believe in your promises that if they will turn away from their sins, then they shall surely live. We know that there is joy in heaven when one sinner repents, O oh Lord. Father, we pray, O oh Lord, that even our lives, O oh Lord, will be bear fruit to you. Fruit that leads to sanctification and holiness, O oh Lord. We may become Christ-like, O oh Lord, by your own work, by your own grace, O oh Lord. We are what we are, O oh Lord, by your grace. And we thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life that you have given to us in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord. Father, may we keep on giving glory to you. May we keep on thanking you and glorifying your name. Wherever your grace has spread to, wherever your grace has been accepted as reached, O Lord, Father, let the receptors of your grace, O Lord, give all the glory back to you and never glory in themselves. But glory in the cross by which we are crucified to the world and the world is crucified to us. Let us glory and boast in you alone. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for there is none like unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.